listening to the Real Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Real Life Church, including our gathering times in Yuma, Arizona, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Bob Van Horn. So hey everybody, welcome to Real Life Church. I'm Pastor Bob, and again, we have one of those practical messages from God's Word that I think that is going to help you in your everyday life. I want to be able to teach in a way that helps everybody take God's Word and put it into practice in whatever they do. Hopefully, you're getting something from these messages. Now, according to Google, people wait 32 minutes whenever they go to a doctor's visit. 28 minutes we spend in security lines when we travel. A lot of times we wait 13 hours a year on hold waiting for customer service. 38 hours in traffic. And if you live in LA, it's like 50 hours a year in traffic. Listen to this. 37 billion hours every year are wasted waiting in line somewhere. The average person is going to waste six months of their life waiting in line for things. You would think with all that waiting in lines, we would get pretty good about being patient. How do you handle delays in life? For me, I'm pretty impatient. And a lot of times we don't understand that in God's timing, Sometimes it never matches up with our timing. And sometimes we have to wait on God. And that's a hard lesson for us to learn. So how do you be patient? Or are you kind of like me? Are you one of those that likes to take things under control, put them in your own hands to try to force something to happen? One of the hardest things for us to learn and one of the greatest steps of faith that you can take sometimes is to do nothing and simply wait on God. We're still kind of marching through the book of James, kind of skipping all over the place, looking at James as a practical way to help us. Today, we're going to be in James chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read them and then we're going to learn a lot from the three illustrations that James uses. He writes and says, My friends, be patient until the Lord returns. Think of farmers who wait patiently for the autumn and spring rains to make their valuable crops grow. Be patient like the farmers and don't give up. The Lord will soon be here. Don't grumble about each other or you will be judged. And the judge is right outside the door. Verse 10, my friends, follow the example of the prophets who spoke for the Lord. They were patient even when they had to suffer. In fact, we praise the ones who endured the most. You remember how patient Job was and how the Lord finally helped him. The Lord did this because he is so merciful and kind. Learning to be patient is a mark of maturity. I will tell you that kids, they're a little immature, and that's why they don't show a lot of patience. Like, how much longer? How much farther? What time are we going to be? Can we go now? Kids are like that, right? James also shows us that we as adults, especially when we're waiting on God, sometimes become very impatient. 
So let's look at this. There's three different examples. In this passage alone, James talks about being patient or having perseverance six times. And he uses three great illustrations, farmers, prophets, and a guy named Job. So we're going to ask ourselves a series of three questions. And these are the three questions I want us to get out of this. When is waiting patiently an act of faith? What should I remember while I'm waiting? And how do I trust God when I'm waiting for something that's been delayed? So we're going to answer three of those questions, all right? I will take them in order. When is waiting patiently an act of faith? First of all, according to James, when circumstances are uncontrollable. There are a lot of things that happen in life that we can't control, but there are a lot of things in life we can't control and have no control over whatsoever. James uses a farmer for example. He says, be patient, the Lord is coming back. And then he uses this whole farmer illustration. You have to wait for the spring rain and the autumn rains to do their work before the crop is going to come up. And a lot of times, if you're not going to be patient, you're just going to give up. God didn't do this in time. He didn't come back in time, whatever it is. And people just gave up on God. We know that the Lord is coming back. We see that all over God's word. And really this farming illustration helps us to understand that there's a lot going on behind the scenes that the farmer has no control of whatsoever. A farmer can't control the weather. He can't control drought. He can't control storm. He can't control the cost of economy. He can't control labor prices. He plants in faith that whatever's happening or whatever is going to happen, God is going to take care of it. There's a lot of things in our life that are uncontrollable. Times that we try to control the circumstances and we can't. We start to worry about things that we have no control over. What if it does drought? What if it does storm? What if, well, the labor prices go up so high that we can't afford it? What if the economy crashes and the price of produce is down? Those are all things that are beyond a farmer's ability. He can't control it. So the act of faith is, is, I trust God. I trust God. How intelligent, how smart is it to worry about something you can't control? So why worry about it? That's the exact opposite of waiting patiently before God, trying to control the uncontrollable. Farmers can't do it, and nor should we. So circumstances. Secondly, he uses the prophets as an example. He goes, when is waiting on the Lord an act of faith? And then he mentions the prophets. The prophets were always delivering messages that people would not like. It would have kind of been tough to be a prophet because people really just don't like truth. And a lot of times in those prophet situations, they were delivering messages of doom and gloom, and people didn't want to hear it. People don't like to hear it. They don't want to change. And the prophets had to be patient because how hard would it be to get a message from God and now deliver that message to the people and the people look at the message and say, whatever. That would be frustrating all by itself. And it's easy to lose patience with people because the prophet knew God promised something, and they did not or would not change, listen, repent, turn away, do something different. But isn't that true of us also? 
We communicate, we talk, we discuss things with people. We want them to see what we're talking about, and they don't change. They don't understand. They don't get it. But we still have to be patient with them. So an act of faith is being patient with people, even when it's hard. Patience, it's an interesting Greek word. It actually means to have a long fuse before you blow up. It means not to really get overheated with people. That's why the Bible spends a great amount of time talking about and teaching us to be patient and waiting on God. Isn't it amazing that in 1 Corinthians 13, when we're talking about love, what does he say? What's the very first description of love? You know it, right? Love is patient. It's long-fused, patient. Job. Matter of fact, now, here's a guy that knew a little bit about being patient. Remember, Satan was allowed to sift Job, if you want to call it, and yet Job was very patient. He trusted in God. So the third thing that when are we exercising faith while we're waiting, and this is harder, is when we're in undesirable and unbearable pain. Now, maybe you know the story of Job, maybe you don't know the story of Job, but he lost everything in a day's time. And I can't tell you because I've never been there, but the amount of pain that he was going through, the only thing that we see throughout the whole retelling of the story of Job is Job's patience with God. That's number one question. Here's the second thing I want you to do. What should you remember while you're waiting? It's a great time for you to exercise your faith, but what should I remember while I'm waiting? First one, God is in control. Three times in this passage, James says, the Lord's coming back. Be patient. The Lord's coming is near. Don't complain because the judge is right at the door. What James is basically saying is no matter what the farmer, the prophet, or Job is going through, no matter what you're going through today, God is still in control. I know it doesn't look like it sometimes. I know it seems like the world is spinning out of control, but it's not. God has it in firm control. Your circumstances, whatever you're going through, God is in control. So what do we do? We worry. We try to be impatient. We try to force it to happen. And God's saying, I got this. Second thing, people are blessed when we learn to be patient. Patience actually builds character. Patience, it also helps us to avoid making mistakes we would normally make when we're impatient, when we're trying to force something. Whatever you're going through, it's not the end of your story. God is still at work. He's still in control. He is in control of whatever circumstances. I want you to think about this just for a second. The farmer, when he plants the seed, it goes underneath the ground. He really doesn't see what's going on under the ground, right? He plants the seed, he waters the seed, he does what his part, but he doesn't see what's going on behind the scene. He doesn't know that God is causing that seed to grow. And him worrying about stuff he can't see isn't going to help it sprout any faster, right? It's not the end of the story. God is still at work in you even when you don't see what's happening. 
third question I want you to see is, how do I trust God during that delay? While you're waiting, learn to wait on God, expecting him to respond. The psalmist said it. He says, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help because he's promised to help. See, that's what God does. He doesn't necessarily do it on our timetable, and that's hard for us, but we need to wait expectantly. What are you waiting for right now? Are you waiting on God maybe to transform your marriage? Are you waiting on him to solve some financial crisis that you're in? Maybe to heal a hurt that you've had for a long time? Maybe to reach your kid for Christ? Maybe your teenager, someone in your family? Are you waiting, expecting God to answer? That's a tough question. Is it really on your heart? And are you really prepared for God to act on it? A woman who's pregnant, they do things through all nine months of that pregnancy for what? Expecting that little one to arrive. Is that how we pray? Do we expect God to respond or do we wait and wait? Are you getting it? Gosh, I hope so. The second thing James says while we're waiting, don't grumble and don't complain. Many would call that kind of like self-pity. God has not answered my prayer request. God is silent. God is not doing what I've asked him to do. And so let's complain. Why hasn't God done it? If God really loved me, wouldn't he answer my prayer request the way I want it? Probably not, by the way. Did you ever think about this? In the book of Job, that character named Job who lost everything, for 37 chapters, God didn't say anything to Job. Now, I don't know how many days that was, how many weeks that was. Maybe it was months or years. I don't know. 37 chapters, God doesn't say anything. And then God responds to Job. See, we have to wait. And we wait patiently. And while Job was waiting patiently, he waited knowing that God was in control. He was waiting knowing that God, I expect God to do something. He did exactly what we're talking about. The third thing is to wait confidently. That's the story of Job right there. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know why I'm going through. I don't know why I've lost everything, but I trust God. He didn't curse God. He didn't give up on God. He just waited for God to do whatever God was going to do. And you know what God did? He blessed him double of what he had. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is the book of Job probably, I can't say this for certain, was the first book written in the Bible. This is before the resurrection of Jesus, before the account of the flood. Job didn't have this great history book to look back and say, look at all the promises that God has made where he showed himself faithful. I'm confident that God is going to come through. And he didn't have that. But we do. I have a book that's been given to me that shows God's faithfulness, how God has delivered his people, how God takes care of his people, that we can wait confidently before God, knowing that he's in charge. We have that book. And that ought to be a reminder to us that no matter where we're at and what we're going, that we can confidently wait on God. So where are you at today? Where do you need patience? Is there some uncontrollable circumstances going on in your life? Maybe financial, maybe physical, I don't know. 
What is going on in your life that you need to recognize that God is bigger than your problem, that you can wait patiently on him and his response? And remember, God is a rewarder of patience. God rewards those of us that are patient. Don't be impatient. Don't take things into your own hand. Wait on God. Look, when God answers and when God comes through and God has given you the answer to whatever you're waiting on, and more than likely it's going to require you to be part of it and to do something and get involved in it, don't go back and say, well, God has finally answered my prayer request. I think I need to pray about it. If he's answered it, do it. Patience is an act of faith. It's one of the most spiritually mature things you can do. Taking action, once God has revealed his will, his direction, and his purpose, is the second mature thing that you can do. See, like I said, practical, practical, practical. God's word is relevant, and it's practical in all of our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, again, thanks for our time together today. Thank you for the farmers and the prophets and Job. Father, inside of that little passage is all kinds of truth that we can use in our everyday life. Help me to be more like the farmer. Help me to be like the prophet. I would pray that I would have the confidence that Job had in his everyday life. I would have that in mine. God, thank you again for your word. It is so good. It is so relevant, and it is so real, and it is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Can't wait to get back with you next time. Another real and very practical message coming from the book of James. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com or download the Real Life Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Real Life Church Podcast.